episode number 135 of Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, a podcast about video games on the DuckFeed.tv network. My name is Cole Ross, and I am your host, and I am joined via Skype today by... Dennis Furia. David Muddy-Smith. And Ben Merkel will be joining us here at some point. We'll have him introduce himself when he comes on so you know what he sounds like, but... <laughs> uh, Oh, that, that's why you say, hey, I'm so-and-so, so people know, because they can't see you. They don't know you. You know, this could be somebody's first time. God help them. I'm um, actually an algorithm uh, of all Dennis Furious past remarks. Yes, yes, some kind that of... That is used in his absence to pro- approximate, I guess would be the right word. Yeah, yeah. What, what he would contribute to the show. It's it's some kind of Roger, e- Roger Ebert-esque voice synthesizer that we have, you know, constructed out of your various phonemes that you've put into the ether. But uh, what do we have in store for today? Well, we're right in the thick of the winter release schedule, and we've got two big games at the very least to talk about. I know that, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, and of course Uncharted 3, uh, which was mentioned a little bit earlier on the show. Um, And there's going to be no quick hits to make extra room for those particular titles as we go forward in this week's uh, episode. So hopefully you're interested in those two games. And if not, listen, because I think we're going to make you interested in those two games. So we're going (laughs) to take a little bit of a musical break here. We're going to come back on the other side with What Have We Been Playing? Fellas, what you been playing? I've been playing some things. Some stuff and things, yeah. Some stuff and or things. Well, I think that all three of us can talk about uh, can talk about the Uncharted, can't we? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I can. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 not so much a... enthusiasm, fellas. Come on. <laughs> well, we need to we need to keep this in line here. I think I think it's just that I, I was not able to comprehend. Uh, or process all of the awesome coming through the TV screen. So it's reached a limit. I think it kind of circles back around at some point. Ah, Well, I guess the important question for you, Dennis, as a series connoisseur, is how does it stack up? Oh, gosh, we're going to get right to the awkward question. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to like this game so bad. And I do like this game, but I, I, oh, oh, it's, it hurts to say I think I would put Uncharted 2 still first in my rankings. Well, this kind of gets back to what 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 Ben and I were talking about with Arkham City at mm-hmm. one point. You know, our our our, our uh, consensus is that Arkham Asylum is a better game, even though they are both well worth you know any given person's time. Yeah, that's that's a fair way to say it. But I, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure you know I, I've been seeing a lot of tens out there in terms of reviews. Uh, around the interwebs, as it were. Uh, I know that there are several different places that have given it a perfect score. Okay. And, uh, I, you know, I was I was really excited when I saw that before I got the game, and I, I totally believed it. And, uh, you know, I went in wanting it to be a 10. Um, but after having played the whole game, and after having really enjoyed the whole game, I feel like a perfect score is just a little bit intellectually dishonest and uh that you know it, it makes me uncomfortable to say because uncharted is, is such a great series and uh definitely uh one of my favorites and, and naughty dog just everything they do is great but 
I really feel like there were a couple of flaws in this one that, that, that kept it from being as great as it could have been. Is this predominantly like a story thing, or is the gameplay not quite as polished? Uh, predominantly, I would say it's a story thing. In terms of gameplay, what I will say is that Uncharted is the best game in terms of, of game mechanics in the Uncharted series. But it's also the least polished in terms of game mechanics. Do those two things seem paradoxical? Can I can I say that? Is it allowed? That that is kind of a contradiction and I'm gonna have to ask you to to elaborate because like what you're saying is the moment to moment is great, but it almost seems like it lacks like the care that was put into the original too. Yeah, it, mm, maybe I it, see like I've been I've been trying for weeks now to <laughs> to try to sort this out in my head. It's like uh I don't know the right analogy. It's like really, really liking a girl and then finding out that she uh used to be a guy or something like that. <laughs> wait, well no, let's let's wait, wait, well, let's, wait. Let's, what? <laughs> so <laughs> conflicted. Let's let's I, let's like let, let, let's reframe this because that like that sounds more severe than what you're trying to say. That's like really, really liking a girl and then finding out that she smokes. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, although you know, I was really attracted to Eddie Izzard for a while. And then, <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's, that's that spelling. Over. I thought it. I thought it was weird for a, for a girl to be named Eddie, but oh well. <laughs> you know, it's short for Eddie Ween Brasilia or something. <laughs> but uh, but but can uh, can can you give me like uh, some concrete examples of of where the moment to moment falls short yeah, for you? So. So one thing, so in in the actual mechanics of the game, one thing that I really love is that the enemies move faster. So, uh, you know, in in the previous two games, when enemies went from cover to cover, the majority of the time they just kind of like saunter almost, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost like inviting like hey, walk with style. Yeah, they they'd walk with style, always facing you, of course. <laughs> and I guess they just wanted to be really, really careful that they didn't trip and fall because they moved slowly, and it was just kind of inviting you, "Hey, shoot me," you know. Whereas in in this in this game, they will they will charge you, they will really sprint uh, from one side of you to the other, and it's actually incredibly effective uh, for them, and it makes the fights feel that much more intense because when an enemy leaves cover, it's not just an automatic, "Okay, I can," you know pop out and shoot them now um it can be really hard to get someone when they're moving from cover to cover and i really appreciated that because it's the first game that i've seen do that well um however with that i just noticed a lot more uh more in some parts than others but a lot more kind of clipping of enemies so you know a a guy would sprint across the room dive over a table and hide behind cover which is awesome but he'd kind of like, you know, halfway clip through the table and then kind of snap into cover. Um, Would that be as egregious if the animation wasn't otherwise superb? Yeah, I, I think I think that's the right way to frame it is the animations are all great. Uh, and so maybe maybe I expect more out of it. And, uh, you know, oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's a game that's known for its procedural animation with, you know, you know, getting knocked about by explosives and stuff like that. 
Like every time, yeah. every time Drake walks by a surface, he like he'll put his hand on it to orient himself in the world and to see somebody like trip over it. It's kind of like watching the most beautiful. You know, it's, it'd be like if you're watching Casablanca, and it's just the most wonderful kind of thing. Except you can maybe kind of hear the camera guy fart in one scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like that, and you know, so for, for the most part, it's just me being picky, right? Like, oh, he totally clipped on that surface, but you know, that didn't really bother me but you know there was one point where he literally dove through a column to get over a ledge and it's just kind of like watch that and and you go come on guys like you know and i i I totally i guess i want to be understanding because there's so much in this game it is all so procedural and it to a large extent works very well that when it fails i kind of cringe it's not unfair to you know to hold something that's really good to a higher standard and on 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 a similar note it's not it's it's not unfair to hold something that you really like to a higher standard than yeah. something else so i think that you're you know you're well within your rights cuz that can take you can, that can take you out of it same thing with like I, i'm kind of getting from you that the story isn't as good as before and when this game hinges so much on its cinematic uh um let's say aspects when that kind of breaks down too, it's kind of like, Oh, you just lost a little bit of the, you know, what made it magical before. So I think, I think the story was what hurt the worst. Um, And I think the reason is, so Naughty Dog said from the beginning, like we thought up what would make for a really cool set piece. And then we had people write it into the script and, you know, I'm okay with that. That's a formula that, that works. Um, Call of duty. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but there are ways to do that right, and there are ways to do that wrong. And I think some aspects of the story, while you know, it's very clear that you're going from set piece to set piece, and that's okay, some of the writing to get you there seemed a little bit lazy. Um, and Oh, go ahead. There, there, there was a great quote from Justin McElroy who said that a video game story needs to exist to convincingly get you from one point to another and to convincingly motivate you to do the next thing. And when it fails that, then that's when it becomes a bad video game story. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, Shakespeare. It doesn't have to be as well plotted as the great Gatsby. It just needs to, you know, not break that you know, kind of low threshold of verisimilitude that you're expecting, right? Yeah, yeah, and I agree. So to give a concrete example, again, of of where I was just like, really, guys, come on. Uh, There was was one point in the level where there's a cutscene that is exclusively, they walk past a crate and uh, a character goes, oh, hey, a gun, and picks a gun out of the crate. And uh, then... uh, a couple minutes later, like in very close proximity, the next cutscene is, oh, hey, I need to use this gun. And it was just like, you know, there, there was no smoother way to work that in. <laughs> well, hey, that's... he has a gun now. Oh, hey, he needs to, like... Uh, well, that's, that's, that's Chekhov's gun, though. You know, yeah. That was Anton Chekhov <laughs> who said, hey, if you introduce a gun within, you know, within uh, one act, you need to actually use it later on. I believe the exact quote, uh, I think I know what you're talking about, is like if there's a gun on over the mantle in the first act, uh, it will be used in the third act yeah, or in the yeah. final act. But this is this is like if there's a gun over the mantle in the first act, it will be used in the <laughs> second minute of the first act. Oh, okay. I got and you. Then, After and, they and, awkwardly comment on it. 
But then it's like then like a a, a pseudo in costume stagehand will walk out and come out <laughs> loudly that he's putting a poker iron on the table, and then immediately thereafter, someone will be like, "Oh, hey, a poker iron, just what I needed," you know. I gotcha. So so so, it, so it would have been better if you hadn't said, "Hey, a gun. I could probably use that later." Yeah, something like that. Like yeah. or or just like if uh, if there had been a more natural way for him to have picked it up so that's that's one very specific example but there that's probably my biggest complaint is there there seem to be these shoehorned in mini cutscenes where it's like we're giving the characters what they need to go forward now uh, they use what they need to go forward yeah now we'll give them something else they need and it's not even woven where there's like different arcs you know like in an adventure game you pick up a bunch of stuff you need and use it but some of the fun is like you know you you kind of use them in different order this is very directly like pick up the thing you need use it pick up the thing you need use it is it is the problem that it's kind of just a a parade of highly convenient events that is a wonderful way to phrase it yes so you guys the audience this is what i love about the show is i just come over over here and like mutter incoherently and then Cole turns my thoughts into something that actually sounds uh, like rational. So one of the many so, services I provide, this <laughs> is like therapy for me, you know, <laughs> like a psychologist. I'm trying to figure out why I hate this game, but <laughs> <laughs> no, this, uh, yeah, I feel so much catharsis on Uncharted yeah. three. So is the um, dialogue still witty though. Cause I mean, what I remember previous from the previous games wasn't so much the actual plot part of the story so much as it was kind of the banter and you know some of that stuff oh the, the characterization the is really strong yeah the characterization is strong as ever the banter is hilarious and i laughed out loud at multiple points in this game um with with a great degree of frequency um but i think like cole said it, it just failed to meet so that you know overall extremely extremely well done but it just failed to meet that standard that you need to get over to make it convincing or at least uh what is what is the suspension of disbelief right right yeah it was, it was just so lazy at points that it caused me to break out of that suspension of disbelief i've heard some complaints about the main villain what's her name Catherine marlowe or something oh, marlowe like yeah yeah uh i mean I, I i know nothing about the prior villains in this series i thought it was kind of a cool choice for them to make the main villain kind of this you know she's like like what if m from james bond was evil Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Actually, here's nice to have one that isn't Russian. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't have a problem with Marlowe. I have a problem with her henchman Talbot. Mm. Um, is he so, Russian? <laughs> no, he's not. It, maybe. I, well, he he could. I could see him as no accent, but I, I bet he's Russian. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> what he is. Um, but he he just let's say he has a. I'm trying to be as vague as possible. A special ability. That uh, is, it's not really clear how they're trying to play it, and it just it just winds up being, you know, I, I think they try to be like mysterious about it, but they just wind up being confusing about it. Yeah. Um, and it's just another one of those uh, shoehorn things that serves their purposes to get you the next plot point, where it could have been something very very interesting. But um, so I, I've been ragging on this game nonstop. Let me <laughs> let me stop because I could go on for ten times as long well, about what I liked. I think the conversations about you know a game's flaws are much more um, interesting than conversations about why a game like kind of like unilaterally blew your pants off. 
So yeah. I, <laughs> I won't discourage you from saying these things. I mean, if, if, if we're continuing to talk about make the single cells, right? <laughs> I guess <laughs> um, I'll just make this uncharted. The title of this episode, uncharted three sucks. Yeah. And that, that'll draw some, that'll draw some attention. No, it might um, affect your, your review scores on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we need, we need to get some new reviews in anyway. Um, but what I'm, uh, I mean, I played a little bit of the single player when I was at your house um, uh-huh. earlier uh, this week, and, and you saw you saw one of the parts that I really liked. Yeah, yeah. This is early on. I don't think that stuff within the first hour could could rightly be considered a spoiler. Nah, nah. But after the kind of the opening bar fight scene, there's a flashback to a Nathan when he is young, like you know, as a street urchin in what is it like Venezuela or something like that. Columbia? Columbia, something like that. And he's like in some really kind of matter. favela. Like just you just you know in some kind of favela, some you know, place where they are American. Right, right. You know, so just, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, um, it shows a him and his you know kind of upstart as a young street urchin, and b how he met Scully or Sully or whatever his name is. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> Uncharted meets the X. Actually, Uncharted probably has a lot more in common with the X Files than. Than initially meets the eye, but we'll we'll come back to that. Okay, okay, but but uh, but but yeah, I, I thought that was cool. <laughs> I thought that was cool because it fulfilled the obligatory. Um, this is our tutorial level kind of thing, while also you know saying like, okay, we're going to teach you how to navigate this these kind of vertical levels and not be seen, which I understand is important in the game. But mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to have you know have some kind of like ham fisted story reason for you not to be able to do combat because we don't want you to learn how to shoot yet. So this they made him a kid and they worked it into nar- into the narrative, and I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Likewise, um, the bar fight was pretty awesome. I feel like um, one of the things at least I saw that was much improved over the previous was um, the use of the environment when you're fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, slamming people's heads in like um, oven doors and stuff <laughs> as you fight through the kitchen stuff. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and I'll say that that's kind of more intensely used in that first fight scene than it is throughout the rest of the game. But I found myself intentionally throwing bad guys, because you can now grab and throw bad guys, um, throwing them over to a wall or to a counter just so I could see what would happen when I start (laughs) punching them up against that. As long as you're fighting in open space, it it stays pretty generic. But the second you get against uh, another surface, uh, things get pretty interesting. See, that just reminds me of my, my favorite way to play any Assassin's Creed game is to make Ezio not so much um, a killer, but somebody who facilitates accidents. Just like grab somebody and throw. I just, I, everybody I kill, I throw them off of uh, high buildings. Um, yeah, so yeah. that just gives me flashbacks to that. It makes me really want to play Revelation. Also but. works really well in um, Hitman. The <laughs> like, awkward push where people just kind of brush up against the railing and then. Whoa, whoa, whoa. over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the hand-to-hand combat is great. There was, um, so you were introduced, you're introduced in, in, in the first level to your first brute fight, uh, where you fight the um, big guy in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that sequence is really, really cool. However, when you encounter brutes in the rest of the game, there's actually only one moveset. That you go through to beat them, which is again kind of kind of that idea of it's generic out in the open combat, and you can't really throw brutes, so I, you can't get them up against a wall to to beat them around. So there's 
there's a decidedly small move set for going against brutes. And I was for a game that has vast amounts of animations, I was kind of surprised and disappointed that they didn't include more ways to beat down a brute. Which is funny because since there are relatively fewer of them, that was a great opportunity for them to throw in those wow moments. Yeah, and they it just it seemed like a miss. Um to the point where, like, I by the end of the game, I knew beat for beat exactly the combo sequence right. that would happen when you encounter a brute. There's, there's one, <laughs> literally, there's one. <laughs> so it's just like, come on, naughty dog. There's got to be. That's right. You, you know, screw, screw, like, uh, downloadable character skins for online play. Patch in some, uh, some more, you know, fighting move sets uh, for fun. Um, but overall, yeah, loved hand to hand combat and the, the shooting feels great. Um, as I mentioned before in gameplay, the enemies move a lot faster and that, that changes things up. You also have the ability to throw back grenades. And I was very wary when I first found out about that because, uh, in, in the previous two games, throwing a grenade, um, is, or getting a grenade thrown at you does a great job of shaking up the gameplay because it forces you out. And it, um, you know, you're, you essentially have to all of a sudden think on the, on the fly. Mm -hmm. So I really, I I actually appreciated that and it worked well. So I thought, oh, you get a grenade thrown at you and you can just throw it back. That's going to be totally lame. Um, but they, they make it so that you have to time the throw very carefully. Uh, and half the time your opportunity is passed before you realize you have it. So (laughs) it still regularly flushes you out. And when it doesn't flush you out, it's this great kind of risk reward situation where, uh, it is an active skill to be able to throw it back, and uh, and not just a no brainer like in uh, in Modern Warfare where you can just press a button when you see it and throw it back. Oh, so so it's like Aikido. You take you take a strong attack coming in and you turn that to your opponent's detriment. Exactly. Only you have to have enough skill to do so. Otherwise, you get blown up. <laughs> right. And you don't have to have a ponytail. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cool. It, yeah, we've we've hit on we've hit on kind of the two main two of the three main components that I, I kind of thought about, which was the the gameplay and the story. Well, what's what's kind of cool? I mean, you're you, you talking about all of these kind of new aspects to the to, to the game. It's mm-hmm. rare that you see. Uh, well, I guess not rare, but it's unexpected to see a game with a three in the title still like doing something that fundamentally changes the pace or the character oh, yeah. or the play, right? Very, very cool. And I think it's great to see Naughty Dog stay hungry, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which the other place they went absolutely crazy was with their level design. So by and large, uh, in in this game, the levels are completely inspired. Uh, The the ship graveyard sequence from beginning to end my jaw was just dropping every single second. Um, they completely invented a way to dynamically model water, mm-hmm. which for anyone who's even remotely familiar with game design or programming is impossible. <laughs> and it looks phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know how they did it. Um, but they also work it into the level so that it actually changes and affects the way you play. And, I I was just completely floored the entire that entire sequence. Uh the desert stuff is really cool to see. The uh the the um chateau on fire is inspired. And and wow. so they, they modeled water, which no one's been been able to do well. They've modeled fire better than I've seen anyone else do. 
and just just so every single level is completely inspired. There is there is one level that seems like uh, bland and and kind of rote. Is that a word? Yeah, I'd say rote would be would be an apt compare or an apt description. There we go. I, I, I'm throwing out words. I don't even know what they mean, man. <laughs> um, but there's there's one there's one low point that I didn't like, and that's the the um, Syria uh, the first the first mission in Syria. Um, but other than that, they were they were just absolutely uh, superb, and they do a great job of shaking things up. So you talk about Naughty Dog staying hungry, and it, it's clear that that every level has something to turn the gameplay on its head. That dynamicism is really heartening. I mean, I remember when Uncharted 2 came out. That's one with the train sequence, right? Yes. Yeah. That, that was kind of seen as this kind of watershed moment for this dynamic kind of modeling of change in the environment. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're uh, trying to navigate along this train that is falling apart as it's going along, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it sounds like they took that, you know, and how well it, how well it was received as almost a confidence booster and then just kind of said, OK, we're going to make this next game all about stuff like this. Is that mm-hmm. is that right? I mean, do you see shades of that in this or am I just kind of pulling stuff out? No, no, you're absolutely right. So the 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 chateau on fire, the cargo plane, the desert, the uh, ship graveyard, everything is just inspired is the word I keep on coming back to, but it's, it's absolutely true. And it is all uh, fueled by, by these really cool changes uh, to the gameplay. Um, Does it ever strike you that it seems like every time Nathan, you know, enters a building or a vehicle or whatever, like within an hour or two, it's either on fire or exploding (laughs) or something like that. That is the wonderful thing, though. They actually reference that and joke about that. <laughs> well, he's he's freaking. He's like a happy-go-lucky Kratos. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of like all of his loved ones dying whenever he's close to them, every every piece of scenery around him just crumbles to bits basically okay. well it, it's hilarious because he's he's like okay you wait here i'm gonna sneak in get such and such and then sneak back out and so he's like you're gonna sneak out <laughs> and he goes hey it, it could happen <laughs> and then of funny. course they don't sneak out oh, by course. any stretch right. of the well, imagination and that's you know going back to the dialogue i mean the self-referential humor mm-hmm. was amazing i loved in the second game like corresponding um oh his chick friend and just like that whole dynamic with you know her now being like the voice of let's go shoot up random things <laughs> yeah they do they do some inter- interesting things with uh with with uh, nathan and elena in in this game that i actually really appreciated so i thought i thought their relationship was was handled extremely well in this game, and it was uh, uh, not what I would have expected at all, actually, um, but still satisfying. Nice, cryptic, cryptic, cryptic. Um, well, we we. <laughs> what about the multiplayer? Yeah, we 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 spent some time say, on that. That's forty minutes on Uncharted Three. <laughs> no, it's fine. Hey. Yeah, I, I'll open it up to you guys because you you uh, you probably put up especially in co-op, probably as much or more time in, in multiplayer as I have. Yeah, I mean, that was really my first exposure um, behind the sticks on um, 
an uncharted game and i have to say i wasn't i wasn't unpleased um it, you know we we played some of the competitive stuff and i really liked uh the 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 level of verticality that they brought yeah. to those levels you know just uh being able to scale walls in a third person shooter and kind of maneuver for position that way um and just kind of the 360 degrees of awareness that you kind of always had to maintain um you know, anytime I comment on some kind of shooting multiplayer game, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate because I'm not going to have as good of an experience as somebody who is good at video games. I imagine <laughs> I imagine, you know, my experience is pretty similar to, you know, anybody else, you know, who goes into actual war, which is, you know, you'll run about 30 feet and then die for no reason or what feels like no reason. <laughs> like, hey, what happened? Oh, I'm I'm gone. Um <laughs> But uh, when I did manage to get somebody, that was cool. And one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me that I haven't seen done in a game is uh, the buddy system. Since since yes. uh, since we were all playing on the same system, or you know, whenever two of us were going on and off, you were kind of like attached via the UI to whoever was on the same system with you. So you could spawn on them. You got bonuses for cooperating together, and I liked that kind of. <laughs> Um, built-in motivation for working together, right? Because you could always find each other and you could always kind of cooperate like that. And And it made it a lot more effective, you know, especially with the way the guns worked, you know, some of their, um, you know, the guns kind of have a tendency to require um, a full clip to drop someone. (sighs) So the ability to have, um, you know, two people working together really dramatically... Um, increase the degree to which you know, you could hold a position. One moment, I'm gonna add. Uh, I'm gonna add Ben to the call here. Sure. Woo-hoo. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Welcome to the show. So, so, so we, so where we had just left off, if okay, we, if yeah. we're, if we're prepared to continue, um, was uh, we talked about just how how good the buddy system was. Yeah. How how good did it feel the first time you high fived your buddy over someone's dead body? <laughs> <laughs> I, I never I never pulled that move off actually. I thought I did with one of you. Might have been early on, although I did like the um, in the co-op, the you know assisting when like your um, buddy got grappled or stuff like that. You know, just running up and like punching the person <laughs> off of them. <laughs> you put him down. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, competitive multiplayer. I felt like it was a good time. I mean, you've spent more time with it. I, I think. I think Dennis than 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 we have i mean does that uh does that dog hunt i mean uh, they've got like a whole big you know perk and leveling up system i mean is 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 that you know successfully following the model do you think yeah i mean it's got the modern warfare style addictive leveling but i think when i when i first started playing it i was put off because it wasn't modern warfare yeah um (laughs) And it was like, I see someone, I should immediately be able to start shooting at them and, you know, have a measure of success with that. Where, like you guys said, it actually takes a lot of ammo to drop someone. And most weapons are very poor at anything beyond uh, a modest range. And it's like real life. I was going to say, that's actually probably a little bit closer to real life. So more realistic there, but then again, you're also you know doing 50-foot drops and landing <laughs> just fine. So it's an interesting balance of a realistic it's and like real life. It was kind of frustrating um, because you're right. If you're working with any kind of automatic or semi-automatic, any kind of automatic weapon, rather, or burst fire weapon, 
um, you do have to empty what feels like four clips into a person uh, to, to mm-hmm. kill them. Whereas I felt like I was being most effective with, with either the pistol where I could kind of two tap somebody or yep. uh, with the sniper. And, you know, from for myself, I am never successful with any kind of sniping weapon. But those were the only weapons that operated at the range that I was comfortable working at. Well, I think what is you mentioned how vertical these levels are and just at any given point, they make sure you've got at least three directions to go, you know? <laughs> And uh, and so the second you start getting shot at, retreat is a very viable option if you don't like your odds. And all too often, if you're if you're too anxious about opening fire on someone, they'll just duck behind a wall. And yeah. at that point, they like like I said, they could have gone three different directions once they're out of sight, and uh, you have to move so that you don't get pigeonholed in. Yeah. So it, it's just it's, it's 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 so I was so unused to managing my position relative to somebody else and yeah. pretty much every other shooter. It's like, can you see person? Yes. If yes, fire shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. In a so, lot of ways, um, the gameplay cover well reminds me a lot of um, the Assassin's Creed multiplayer, and not just in the obvious like parkour um, things, but. In the way the multiplayer almost feels more mini game esque than than like a modern warfare or a battlefield, but it just hmm. seems like a very very well developed, well thought out. I don't know, like mini game or party game type of thing. Does that make sense? Do you mean like within the level you're playing a bunch of different mini games, or like the well, the multiplayer itself has more arcade? Just the multiplayer feel? itself into in that the degree to which um, you know it's not just a it doesn't come across so much as like a shooter, so much as it comes across as like a game that has a lot of like cool parkour and you know those sorts of aspects with a pretty decent. Um, shooter part added onto it i noticed yeah, in the levels in the levels that we were playing um a lot of it kind of seemed to be uh kind of cellularized if that makes any kind of sense and that does mm-hmm. something to the nature of the encounters and that you know in a in a halo which is which is my biggest point of reference or, or a team fortress 2 or you know maybe even a call of duty because of the open nature of the maps you know uh it feels like there's an ongoing conflict rather in this because you know your visibility is 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 kind of kept close and everything is kind of this room or these chambers that you go to each individual encounter takes on a different character depending on a how you entered that room and b where the other person entered it from yeah i can get behind that yeah uh and you know it's more overtly less just about um like you said the long-term shooter and more almost like a short-term, you know, battle of wits, you know, um, emphasis on tactics. And I, I don't think enough can be said about the rotating um, objective either. That was pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah. No, that's the, in co-op. We're back to co-op now. Well, well, uh, that was was that co-op or was that because I remember like... Oh, oh, oh and, the power and, plays. And, yeah, the, the power plays. That was pretty cool. Yes. Um, so to elaborate... Uh, if if any one team is is falling behind, they'll be giving a power play where uh, a couple different things can happen. Uh, it can expose all enemies, so like you can you can see where they are uh, via uh, their their name showing up above their heads at any given time, uh, or they will mark a designated target that you get. <clears throat> excuse me, that is exposed, and you get extra points for killing. Uh, you can also uh, suddenly your weapons can do double damage, and that can really turn the tide. 
The other cool thing is, I, I don't know if you guys got to see this, but if the the game time limit runs out or if the score limit is reached and you are within one point of each other, mm-hmm. so if it's like 49 to 50, essentially, um, they'll say the game is too close to call and put you in overtime. Oh, cool. So it's like a sudden death kind of thing. And you're given you're given an extra. It's either a minute or a minute and a half to to change things up, and that is some of the most intense play I have ever encountered. <laughs> uh, so it's it's a really simple idea going into overtime. That's you know obviously done in every other sporting event, and uh, it's it's I just I thought it was brilliant when I encountered it. So yeah, uh, the, yeah they they have power plays to switch things up that that yeah almost turned into an objective based game. Uh, what about for a the actual? Time. Hmm. What about the actual objective switch up in horde mode? I I thought that was um, a lot of fun. You know, suddenly having to go grab some idols or hold a point. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess that's more what I what I was thinking of when I said the rotating objectives. But that that does apply to the competitive as well. I thought that that was good because it broke you out of like patterns. It made you switch those gears, switch those registers, switch your metaphors. Um, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a more kind of uh, felicitous way, right? And I like the fact that um, it seemed like you could both do a strategy of like often like holding a point, but doing a very mobile strategy where you just more or less outran the um, the competitors seemed very viable and was kind of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think the the way you put it is is completely accurate though. Is that the entire multiplayer experience, both co-op and competitive, is centered around switching things up, like shaking things up, yeah. um, and uh, it works really, really well. One one thing I'll throw in, just because it's so cool, and I don't know if you guys played any of these levels, but a lot of the levels will have very significant changes oh. um, to the the actual level midway through. So uh, for one level, you actually start on moving trains that are riding the tracks next to each other. Uh, and you kind of do this like train car to train car fight where you can actually jump between moving trains and that sort of thing. Uh, and then the trains will pull into the station and then you have kind of a, a more standard level after the trains arrive at the station. Um, it sounds like level- oh, go ahead. It sounds like it's almost like uh, Super Smash Brothers Brawl, but for a first person shooter. Yes, exactly. Or, or the old Power Stones game. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Oh, it's really cool. the The other one is you're you're in a fleet of trucks that are chasing a cargo plane down a runway, <laughs> nice. and so you actually you jump between the trucks and you can actually like jump onto the cargo plane. Uh, and uh, then there's there's one level that's in the desert and a giant sandstorm rolls through and significantly restricts your visibility and mobility partway through the level. Uh, so you kind of have to hunker down and. Uh, it, it really changes things up for for a good you know a couple of minutes until the sandstorm. Just like that's this this is the great thing. Just like a real sandstorm hit, what would you do? You kind of find a point of cover, hunker down, and and kind of shoot at any anything you see moving out in the distance, and grapple with people who suddenly you realize are next to you. And there, that's exactly what happens in this game, uh, and it works really well. So there's there's a lot of that shaking it up in multiplayer. Oh, I don't I have a PlayStation Three. <laughs> Why don't you? <laughs> Money. But, <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that. That little immutable thing. It's because <laughs> you're you're sinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, but uh, 
Oh man, we've spent a lot of time talking about this, and I and I hate to I, I hate to cut us off, but I, I feel like I know that you, Ben, are going to be playing this in the near future. Am I correct? Yeah, I went through uh, mom's side of the birthday celebrations. Did not, <laughs> did not get it yet, so yeah. if I don't if I don't see anything in a week, I'm gonna just play it myself. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So so we'll. <laughs> I, I think I think that there there is definitely more to talk about, but we've we we've been talking about it for about the past uh, half hour. Um, so uh, as the, uh, as, as the, uh, what am I talking about? What am I I here? What am I here? The moderator, the producer, as the person, as the person in charge here. Yeah. As the, as, as the auteur here, um, I'm (laughs) going to have to call a moratorium on further uncharted three, uh, discussion, uh, for this episode. Um, I really feel like, uh, that was, that was good though. Like just, uh, very good as, as the auteur, you know, we're, we're good here. We're good. So um, I have I have my my big one to talk about, but I'm wondering if either Ben or David have uh, have some stuff that they want to throw in between those two. I'll just say really quickly, I was in another city for the last week, so I did not play any video games whatsoever. So yeah. I'm outsies. I'm sorry. Okay. I played some, I played some Modern Warfare two yesterday and today. Ah, that's, yes, that's it. <laughs> but that's kind of like saying you brush your teeth. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> How about you, David? What's up? Um, I've just um, kind of been continuing what I've been playing. Um, you know, got just a little bit farther in um, New Vegas. Had to um, use console commands to fix a broken um, oh, quest, and that was both very difficult and annoying. And so I didn't get very far um, with that. <laughs> the best, um, the best thing you can you can say about Fallout Three and New Vegas from a technical standpoint is that there exists a wiki that can tell yes. you where to find the solutions for these things, both <laughs> you know in the game narratively, like oh, what's the solution to this, and also you know what kind of you know <laughs> what kind workaround. of put in the console, yeah, what kind of workaround can I find for that? Um, right. So that's unfortunate. The I've actually been playing a lot of World of Warcraft. Um, really been impressed with a lot of the changes they've made. Um, leveling is now much, much easier than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Although I'm now running into the problem that I'm leveling, um, out-leveling quest um, lines. Oh. oh, just because you're picking up so much experience elsewhere? Right, and I mean, part of it is um, they add in ways to increase your experience. So like... Um, Guilds can now level up and get perks, and so my guild has a perk that I get 10% more experience from any source. Wow, they are really trying to shunt people into the endgame, aren't they? Well, because the problem is, I mean, it's getting more and more, um, you know, as they keep adding levels, the real the real core game is the endgame, yeah. so it's getting more and more of a burden otherwise to get there. See, and I, I just, <laughs> whenever I've played an MMO, I've always enjoyed the mid-level stuff more than the beginning or the end. You know, doesn't anybody appreciate the journey anymore? Come on, fellas. <laughs> I hear you, dude. Yeah. Are, are you looking forward to Mist of Pandaria? I mean, are you in that deep to where to, to where that'll uh, that'll be what you move on to next with that? Um, yes and no. Um, in something that will probably surprise absolutely no one, um... I'm really excited about the um, martial artist class. Um, (laughs) I'm probably going to buy it for that reason. 
And I have fond memories of EverQuest monks, and just, I don't know, I that was just always something I was kind of disappointed that those never made it to World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, the whole panda thing, we've also established I hate pandas. <laughs> that you can literally make a kung fu panda? I did love kung fu panda. No, okay. <laughs> that was in spite of the panda. That was because of Jack Black. Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I was just, I was just gauging your excitement because you know, knowing me, I'll probably buy it, play it for about three weeks, and then put it away again, um, and yeah. then forget to cancel my subscription for four months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, highly excited about the um, new starting area, the new quests. Less excited about the actual <laughs> about, story. About what everybody else is going to be there for. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, the other thing I've been doing a lot of is, um, not surprisingly, Battlefield 3. Okay. Uh, when we last talked, you were kind of just getting into it. I mean, uh, what new is there to report? Well, a couple of things. Um, you know, it's definitely a game with a learning curve. Um, so I'm starting to get more used to it. Um, I've gotten to the point where I'm very good at using um, a lot of the support roles, so particularly the medic, and to a lesser degree, the um, actual support class. Um, one of the things I really like about the medic is, um, although it does to a degree, um, you you now regenerate health um, in Battlefield 3, although it doesn't happen till a long time after a fight, so it doesn't really affect a given fight. But that kind of shifts it to where the medic really isn't particularly relevant to a um, person's survival um, in a fight. However, um, because of the um, defibrillator paddles and the ability to top off people's health it really makes it so if you're if you have like a part place you're trying to hold and there's a competent medic you're know, reviving and healing people mm-hmm. it basically shuts down um, attrition tactics and forces people to actually come in and um, you know aggressively take the point so I kind of like that so it sounds like they have kind of taken the medic's role, the place where it's most effective, and moved it from behind the lines to actually up in the shit. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And I mean, I remember um, Battlefield 3 is all about the random scenarios you remember. I remember one where there's this um, alleyway with a capture point right in the middle, and there's like these um, you know, little like... um, rooms going off of it and so i'm um and so the main like crossfire is going through the alleyway and i'm like sprinting from room to room like reviving (laughs) people on my team you know um sprinting and like diving for cover through the crossfire and yeah yeah you're definitely right in the middle of it yeah does does call of duty have a medic class or functionality nope um, That's what's wrong with Black America. Ops, you technically, if you had the um, the um, standoff perk, 
and someone else had the standoff perk, you could revive them or something like that. Hmm. But I mean, no, it was hey, like, dude, medic classes is like Twilight. All right, no place in a man's world. <laughs> I, I I always go with medic. You shut your mouth. Shut <laughs> your goddamn mouth. <laughs> we, we've established I say that too much. But ever since uh, Team Fortress Classic, always run with the medic, you know, because I'm, a, I'm bad at shooting. And I like to know that there is uh, that there that there is room in the video gaming world for somebody who doesn't have the best reflexes. Well, I have to say, I have been disappointed. I haven't gotten any defibrillator kills yet. I love that. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tisk. Um, and the the one downside, though, is they have all these um, unlocks you get for the weapons um, based on um, kills. But the problem is I don't get those as a medic because I'm, you know, healing people. Oh, no. <laughs> And I, actually, I would say this actually honestly is, I'm kind of joking, but is a legitimate problem that annoys me because it cre- I often find the scenario where um, I, you know, I'm playing the assault role um, pre- predominantly um, to be shooting people, mm-hmm. but in almost every scenario, there's always people I could be reviving and it's pretty much always better for my team for me to be reviving them than to actually be fighting therefore if you are you know playing to win if you i feel like if you play the assault you just automatically do the medic right so so it messes with your incentives is what you're saying yeah it's just like um it kind of i'm actually looking like hoping to at some point unlock something that i can um, equip in the place of the defibrillators, so I have an excuse. <laughs> okay. The other thing I've been doing, though, is the single player, which is kind of weak, actually. <laughs> um, you know, I really feel like just the game, the core gameplay behind Modern Warfare, or rather Battlefield, doesn't work with single player. So, like, the fact that you're often being shot at and you don't know where it comes from, that's great when you're, like, in a wide-open area and you have, like, teammates, you know, counter-sniping for you and things like that. That doesn't work when the story is overtly about you. No. How does that line up with um, with what was perceived to be the, uh, the, the, the success of, you know, the bad company multiplayer, or single-player, rather? I only played uh, the multiplayer or the single player bad company one. I thought it was awful, so okay. I cannot comment. I got you. I just I remember Dennis, uh, you being very uh, very pleased with the single player in uh, in yeah, bad I, company two. No, I I, uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. You want to fight, David? There you go. <laughs> no, no, it's just it's just strange. Uh, do do you think that they maybe? Uh, uh, took a little too much inspiration from Call of Duty and forgot to play to their strengths? Yeah, I feel like that. Um, although I will say in, in its support, um, one thing I do like is um, I found that like I, I liked the first level of both, um, of both um, my Warfare games because I really liked the levels where you're just like being a soldier going through Afghanistan fighting people. 
and then it got annoying once it became all like special forces y. Yeah. Mm. So I I will say I am enjoying um you know, storyline that's more overtly warfare focused, at least so far. Mm-hmm. So can I ask you this? There's the, the big level that they showed in the trailer was like the tank level where you're just in a plane that stretches on as far as the eye can see and it, it just had this epic sense of scale to it. Is it is it really that scaled or is it is it more on rails? Um I I definitely haven't gotten to that point in single player. I will say in multiplayer, um yeah, there's there's definitely freaking huge levels. Nice. Um the two things I'll say though is well it's kind of weird because there's a very specific type of map that's missing, which is as a number of maps that are like very close quarters, you know, overtly just invent infantry focus, even if there's a couple of vehicles, it's all infantry, you know, that sort of thing. And then there's a lot of maps where it's um, like wide open areas with each capture point having a couple of buildings but mainly just like wide open areas. It lacks the any of the maps that are um, in Battlefield 2 there's that map where it was like the um, Middle Eastern city with the river going through it where it's simultaneously dense urban and a lot of streets and stuff for tanks to roll around. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's unfortunate. But I, I have to say, I actually avoid the tank levels simply because um, while I like those levels where it's both inventory and tanks, I'm not good at um, using the vehicles. Therefore, it just becomes like a shooting gallery. <laughs> Can you do much from the passenger seat? Yes. You know, it depends. You know, the, there's times where... Where I'm like really on the ball with it, there's times where I'm not. I feel like covering fire helps make the passenger seat a lot more relevant. Hmm. Okay. One weird thing um, that I have really enjoyed is I feel like the dialogue for the game is actually really, really well done. In that the um, there's you know a whole bunch of things that you'll automatically do callouts for. So, like, when you spot an enemy, um, when you're being pinned down by covering fire. And they're just all very well written. And I think a lot of it is because, you know, they're not just straight, like, I see this guy. They actually have some dialogue. There's some color to it. <laughs> right. So, so like, um, you know, they, it'll be something like you'll spot, um, you know, you'll spot a... Um, Oh, support machine gunner class, and the the actual message that gets played to people is something along the lines of you know, I've you know I've spotted a machine gunner out at this location. Can anyone confirm this? So you know you know just things like that. Where there, there's a little more to the the dialogue. You know um you know going up and rev- reviving someone. You know don't die on me. You know, <laughs> you know that sort of thing. The um within these vocals, probably the most convincing use of cursing I've seen in a while. <laughs> I, I feel like that's honestly an art. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> to, to, to have it be appropriate and not gratuitous, that's that's important. Which, which, ironically, it's actually probably 
much more than I'm used to in most games that aren't Gears of War. <laughs> but at the same time, probably on the whole, like more believable and less offensive. So huh. interesting. Well, uh, th- that just reminds me, like the the call out things. Just one of my favorite little touches from Battlefield 1942, which was the last time I was really into battlefield at the very beginning how convenient um <laughs> was purist, you're a purist i'm a purist i'm a purist it is i've never had a machine that could run it well enough since then um but in battlefield <laughs> 1942 if you were playing as the japanese all of your callouts would be in japanese and the text would still be in english because you because you could read it it wasn't like in some kind of accent in english it was all of the voice was you know in Japanese or in Russian or in German or in English or in a British accent. And it's like, man, that is such a good little uh, tip of the hat towards um, believability, towards immersion, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say, actually, um, that's disabled by default um, in that the dialogue is different between the two factions and the Russians have a Russian accent. However, it's no longer straight up in Russian. Oh, okay. Um, I actually that struck me as unfortunate. Although I can understand why they did it, because if you, um, you know, in the previous games, if you were really quote unquote playing to win, you disabled it anyway so that you could, you know, understand what was happening. Quicker. Yeah, so you wouldn't be drawing your eyes to the text every, right. you know, every. So On often. the other hand, like I remember in um, Battlefield twenty one forty two, there is actually a time where. I was like hiding in inside a cargo um, crate and like trying to figure out what was going on. And all of a sudden, on the other side of the cargo crate, I hear someone talking in Russian. And I, <laughs> you know, run around and took them out. Huh. So, like, it does kind of eliminate some of those situations. Yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything more to say about Battlefield 3? Good stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you guys mind if I talk a little bit about Skyrim? I would love to talk a lot (laughs) about Skyrim. It's a good game. The end. (laughs) The end. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. See you. (laughs) (laughs) That's all, folks. No, um, it is really, really good. Um, And it shows a lot of growth. And it shows a lot of evidence that Bethesda has been paying attention to what people are saying about their games. Um, And uh, it shows that they're anticipating a lot of stuff. Um, the, 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 the biggest thing is that they have taken um, the things that were really successful about Fallout 3 and about Fallout New Vegas, um, just anything that was done in that version of their of their engine, and rolled those into the way that, you know, uh, Skyrim plays. So, you know, there are perks, um, and they've taken it from being like, okay, yeah, this one big master list of perks that you can uh, get. You get one every time you level up, um, as opposed to Fallout where it was once every, every two, and then you just had different dependencies. Whereas in, in, in this, like every single skill, you know, destruction, restoration, conjuration for, you know, magic and everything else, your heavy armor, light armor, different kind of weapons, has its own tech tree. And, you know, because skills level up at the rate at which you use them and because these tech trees are gated by what level the skill is at you like as opposed to making arbitrary choices about the way that your character is going to progress like okay i'm going to roll this character i'm going to put a bunch of points into strength because i want them to be able to hit stuff really hard in this you kind of just choose your race and that gives you a starting line 
uh, for what your character is going to play like. Like, okay, you'll start out with 20 in two-handed weapons as opposed to 10 in two-handed um, weapons. But you can get to any point, and you can get pretty much any skill or perk you want so long as you put enough time into using it. So, like I said, as opposed to making arbitrary choices about what kind of character you're going to play, you play how you would play naturally, and your character kind of fits and grows into that direction. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and it's and it's much more organic. And the nice thing is, you, you know, because there is an abundance of choice, it never forces you into making one. So, like in 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 Fallout, it was actually kind of anxiety making whenever a perk came up uh, because you would have to make a decision with that. Don't fuck uh, it up! Don't fuck don't, it up! Don't, 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 don't pick wrong! Don't pick wrong because you you won't you won't know until whatever. Whereas in in, in this one. Uh, it'll, you know, you'll, you'll level up. And the only thing that happens when you quote unquote level up is you get to choose whether you want to put 10 points into your health magica or your stamina. And then, you know, that, that's like the choice that you make, but your perks are banked. So you can, you know, at a point later on go in and say, okay, all right, I need, you know, I, I, uh, I want to save this up for when I need to unlock this level of lock or whatever. So you can keep a buffer of points of, of, of perk points rather that you can use situationally, you know, to level yourself up as the, as the need arises. Huh? Nice. Yeah. So it sounds like you don't so much choose the class as the class chooses you. Right. There's, there's, there, there's no class, you know, wow. distinction at all. <laughs> uh, like you, like you're, you, you don't say like, you know, in, 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 uh, in oblivion and in Morrowind, you chose like, okay, you have a template of a class, but really all the classes were was major and minor skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, leveling up your major skills would make you level up as a character. Whereas in this one, every, um, skill that you level up that just puts towards your level up and in, in kind of an Whoa. equal capacity. And like Oblivion, you know, actually, the system actually encouraged you to build nonsensical characters. So, right. you know, if you wanted to use um, two-handed swords, you shouldn't put two-handed swords as your major skill because then that would force you to level up and would screw everything up. The problem with Oblivion was that to understand the leveling system, you had to read a wiki. Right. Like you had to go online and look at a guide on how to do it, because if you did it like any other RPG, you would find yourself completely out of your league because you would have this character that only leveled up in these couple of things to the detriment of being able to do anything useful against these enemies that are getting stronger and stronger and outpacing you. If you played it on PC, it wasn't a problem because you could mod that out. You know, like the community very rapidly responded to that. However, if you played it on a console like I did um, and still continued to do, um, that wasn't an option to you. So, so, so this, you know, out of the box is a much more playable, much more friendly game. Huh. Yeah. Does uh, it get away, um, away from oblivion? Like, I, I really never understood, honestly, what people saw in oblivion. What it struck me as is what I would be playing if I wasn't just going to go play World of Warcraft. It's uh, it definitely is an M- an MMO for people who hate people, which makes it so, perfect. So I for mean, me. does it still have that, it, or uh, you know, it, does it have more to offer that isn't offered in that MMO this time around? 
Uh, definitely the narrative. Uh, the world feels okay. like it's much more understandable. Um, they 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 uh, require less of a familiarity with kind of the the, the prior mythology. Uh, they're 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 much more forthcoming with elements of story. Um, think about like Fallout, where there was a bunch of you know stuff that had happened before. But uh, nothing you really did kind of hinged on that. And if it did hinge right. on it, they would explain it to you in a way that kind of seemed organic uh, right. to the to the nature of the experience. So, like, um, not to get too much into the lore, but uh, but, you, you know, all of the emperors, they were uh, considered to be dragonborn, which meant that somewhere down the line, there was dragon blood in their DNA. Uh, just in just in their in their system, and they uh, th- that that that, <laughs> that gave them special abilities, and it basically was the divine right of kings. Like if you had dragon in you, you were fit to rule men. Now that is something that was mentioned off offhandedly, um, insofar as the plot of Oblivion revolved around finding the uh, the the rightful heir uh, to the to the emperor's throne after he was assassinated. Um, whereas in this one, that is still an important thing, but because the empire is dissolved. Um, the, 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 the notion of being, you know, Dovahkiin or, or, or dragonborn, um, you know, going back to the Nords who were kind of the first, you know, humans, the, the, the precursors to most of the, of the other humanoid races, Skyrim is the Nords homeland. So you're steeped in their mythology and they re-explain that to you in a way that makes it much more relevant to your, uh, to, to, to your motivation throughout the entire game. So uh, that that is my long-winded way of saying yes. There is a lot more for it to offer here. If you're somebody like me, who when you play an MMO and you are inherently discouraged from reading the flavor text or anything like that, because there is always this uh, motivation from the people that you're under, or this pressure from the people that you're with to keep on going, keep on going. Haven't you read that yet? This is like our fiftieth time going through this thing. You know, it's like well, I'd, I kind of like to take this back in because for me. Playing games isn't about moving numbers around. It's about, you know, experiencing things. And this, you right. know, by, by the nature of the solitary experience, and it does do solitude very well, um, it does let you kind of take things at your own pace. So I have a question for you. Okay. What's with cat people? <laughs> yes, there are cat people. I don't know where they fit in in the lore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are cat people and there are lizard people, uh, similar to EverQuest. Um, but no effing panda people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put a link to that video uh in the in the uh uh show notes here. But um yeah, I have no idea what the deal with cat people is. I know that they start out with higher stealth skills because they're cat like. Um because they are cats. Um <laughs> I remember I always played Red Guard, that's all I remember. Yeah, and I always play Breton because I like playing mage characters. And uh and it's nice in this because playing like a mage it makes it a lot easier for you to uh to 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 mix up your fighting because because they let you map stuff to your offhand the majority of the time I'm walking around with a magical sword in my right hand and my left hand has it up with a with, with a magic spell kind of similar to um to Bioshock two in a certain way nice. where you could put plasmids in your offhand mm-hmm. um and, and that's pretty cool in addition to the dragon shouts that you can do which uh, are you know you can either buff yourself or breathe fire or stuff like that so you can potentially map three different attacks and use those to manage your enemies and the way that you approach these fights is really much more malleable now that leads can, into another can complaint you do, like combination warrior mages or can can you play a you know a warrior race but you know be a mage stuff like that like that is pretty supportive of that 
Yeah. And that goes back into you don't have to declare a major skill. So, you know, if, if you are, you know, a big dumb mage or, or I'm sorry, a, a big dumb, um, uh, you know, barbarian, but you want to learn some he- some healing magic, you can either a go to uh, go to a master of the, of the skill and pay them to teach you in that. Or you can just buy a very low level restoration skill and build that up. And that way you're able to heal yourself with, you know, between battles. You won't have a lot of magicka, but you can always reshift your emphasis. Um, the other cool, uh, the, the, the thing, the thing that kind of like fails about that system though, um, is that whereas in oblivion, you had this radial menu that you could, um, map your favorite weapons and skills to, um, also, also your spells. This has a quick select menu, which pauses the action, um, which on one hand is kind of cool if you're being, um, you know, kind of like, uh, born down upon <laughs> by a bunch of by a bunch of different enemies and you need and you need like a breather and you don't want to have to like oh god what what button do i need and then you're dead this kind of pauses it but i almost wish there was a way to contextually choose that because um as it stands it it, it freezes the game every time you try and switch your spells or your weapons uh, which really does break the flow um unfortunately and maybe that might be a matter of getting used to it but you know what they should do is because Ratchet and Clank does the exact same thing that that radial menu that that pauses the game to go through and God knows Ratchet and Clank has enough stuff to select from that you need the time. Um, but for situations where you do want to do just simple changes, um, you can just tap that selection button and it will automatically cycle through the last couple weapons you used. Oh yeah. So if there's you know if there's you know you kind of develop a you know I've got my four major things or whatever. You can cycle through those really easily without having to go through the menu. Yeah. My favorite part of any Valve game is the Q key, the you know, <laughs> cycle between your last two used weapons. Yeah. Yes. And that's why like Halo and Gears of War are so are, are so and even like Modern Warfare does this where you can only carry two weapons at a yeah. given time. When you don't have actu- you know access to, you know, one through zero, um, you know, you need to reduce your amount of options because your input method isn't as sophisticated on the console. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the gameplay quibbles that I have, um, from a technical standpoint, the only like real, like glitch at thing that I've seen right now is that, um, they, they, the cool thing is they don't enter the Bethesda angle when you're talking to somebody like it doesn't like oh, zoom yeah. in and do, <laughs> like just a, just a front and center, um, you know, lock in and the world freezes when, when you're talking to somebody, which is neat because you can, you know, kind of like pan around and, and if there are multiple people talking, that's kind of cool. But the problem is because it doesn't freeze everything that's walking around you and because people who walk up near you, um, they, 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 they like say something when the, when they get near you. So like if you have a fire spell up, they'll say, Oh, be careful with those flames, you know, like contextual stuff, kind of cool. You'll have people talking over vital story information <laughs> and, <laughs> and because shut the fuck up, <laughs> shut your goddamn mouth. Um, but, uh, but, uh, what, what the, the, the bad thing about that is because my hearing is awful and because I don't process, um, multiple street, you know, streams of information really well. Like when people are talking, over each other like all i hear is just like a gurgle 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 um with this it's like oh god what did they say and you can't go back to like a log to see what they said so if somebody comes comes up and says oh it been a lot of bad weather lately it's like well he didn't tell me what the name of the dungeon i was supposed to go to now is so now i need to go to every dungeon 
<laughs> and it's Guess just like, I'll just start with the first one. Keep it's, on going. Exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, bec- and because of the way the subtitles work, they don't scroll the subtitles that are on there. They, um, they just like, so that when that person cuts in that subtitle will cut over what the subtitle is. And because I always play with the subtitles on that makes it useless when like it's up there for a second. And then when the court squire comes up and says, Oh, it's like, Oh God. How do you spell that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> wait, wait. Are you implying that they do like the horrible, um, oh, Fable-esque British accent? No, no, they, they, they don't. It's actually really good. The dialect, um, they, they, they do it in a way that's not cheesy. Um, so like they're, it's, it's unaccented, but the, but the way they emphasize, uh, reads like their character is. So the, so the, so the elves speak differently than the, than the humanoids and the Nords, the Nords speak, uh, differently than everybody else. So that's, that, that's kind of cool. The, the, the only thing is they, they don't do a cheesy British accent, but sometimes the Nords do kind of this, uh, um, very kind of stereotypical Scandinavian accent almost, which is, is a little bit funny because all I can think of is the Swedish chef. Exactly. Yeah. And the last thing that I'm, you know, kind of going to say before I open the floor to questions is, um, God, it looks so good. Like <laughs> Bethesda, you know, you know, they, they've even addressed like making people not look like hideous homunculi. Um, oh, <laughs> I remember that, especially the night elves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they like they they they've actually managed to make humans that look good, um, which is which is you know it's not been Bethesda's strong point. God bless them, um, but just the, the environments and the and the architecture and all these and all these different areas. Like you'll be walking through a just a magnificent forest, and you'll see like just this little thing that breaks the silhouette in the distance, and you'll walk through it, and you'll fight off some wolves, and find out this is gi- this is a gigantic dungeon, free for you to explore, and full of quests that you can do. Sometimes breaking sequence and getting special weapons before or special items before like somebody will ask you to get them so that way when you walk up to somebody new they say oh i need you to find my mysterious golden claw and you say this golden claw and they're like oh yes here's your money um they 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 manage to make winter both beautiful and oppressive um but that is not to the exclusion of like a like a variety in the in the in the environments so um they they really map elevation pretty well so if you're up in the mountains and it's snowing and all of that like that that is a realistic way for them to portray it and then down in, down in the lowlands and the farmlands it becomes a little bit more verdant and it feels like there's a lot of variety to the uh, to the to the world granted i haven't seen all of it um, because they wisely make it so that you cannot fast travel to major locations without having discovered them. So they really do kind of encourage that exploration. That does so much to make the world feel big, you know? Yeah, they did the same thing in New Vegas, too. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So now, uh, go ahead. Can you, can you, is it like New Vegas, though, where you, can you fast travel after you've been to the places? Yes, yes. And that that's merciful. It really is because then you can opt into it. The, the 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 first trip is amazing. The second one is tedious, and the third one is unforgivable. Yeah. Um, unforgivable. Unless unless you, unless it got <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, unless you want to do it because there is a lot of stuff to see off the beaten path, um, and they do a good job of peppering quests and various stimuli along the main roads, which is which is good. Um, but yeah, it is, it is like new Vegas where, you know, after you find a place, it is readily available to you. So long as you are able to fast travel from where you're at. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
I, I really can't say enough good stuff about it right now. Um, I just, I just, it's back to the world feels so big and so unexplored. And I'm doing some mages guild quests, and I know that out there there's a thieves guild and there's an assassins guild and there's a a bunch of other stuff. Let alone the main quest, which seems pretty neat too. But so how is the um, how is crime handled? Um, you know, in a lot of these games, the pet peeve for me has always been the psychic guards where. You do something illegal, and you know instantly everyone knows about it. Halt! <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have not committed any crimes in this one yet, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, I've always appreciated that um, crimes are um, handled by different jurisdictions. So doing something wrong in one town will not immediately get you in trouble when you go to the other town. Um, Although I remember um, very specifically, um, you know. I joined the made the mistake of joining the um what a, any guild I think is the mage guild before the thieves guild uh-huh and so like you know as the thieves guild not surprisingly you stole stuff and you were instantly kicked out of the mage guild yeah I, I'm not sure how they're going to, going to unravel those dependencies because I remember in a, in, in Oblivion, one of the quests forces you to st- forces you to steal from the Archmage um, right. of Cyrodiil, and uh, it was very likely that by that point you were the Archmage of Cyrodiil, uh, <laughs> and there was no uh, narrative nod made to like, oh, I just went to my room and grabbed this for you. Here you go. <laughs> so I, I, I on one hand, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how they handle that. On the other hand. Um, I, I'm afraid that progressing down one track is going to keep me from progressing down another uh, without alienating myself from that first one. So so let's talk about replayability then, because I, I think one of the things that I always hear talked about with these games like, you know, Fallout and, and uh, you know, Elder Scrolls, etc., is like, oh, you can play through it again and again so many different ways. And I feel like I always do one playthrough and it's like, man, I know I missed so much, so I want to play again. And then just can't get started again. Is that just me, or do, do other people have this problem? And do you anticipate having this problem with the game? No, I've always had that problem, and that's why I've been very happy that um, in the past these games have made it um, a, a pretty easy to see as much of the game as possible in the first round through. Um, uh, a Fall of New Vegas excluded, where there are kind of like th- three forked main stories that you go through. Um, you know, I never have the uh, the the um, wherewithal to follow through. I always like make the second evil character get about to the first like tough place. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not going to be that different. I think that the saving grace for that is, um, unfortunately, that they do make the different moralities and paths you can take not so different from each other. So it doesn't feel like you're missing an awful lot aside from the flavor text. I mean, how about you? I mean, Ben, I know that you've played through uh, either three or New Vegas multiple times. How does that relate to you? Um, I don't know, because I, 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 I played through Fallout 3 a second time, but that was just to get, uh, or New Vegas a second time, but that was just to get an alternate ending, since the the storyline there diverged so much. I had no desire to play Fallout 3 a second time, because it was going to be the exact same story again, and so, for me, I just wasn't too interested. Okay. So Yeah, so, seems like it. I mean, it's not like uh, Mass Effect, where you... I guess Mass Effect is kind of the same, but they but they but they vary so much between mm-hmm. the two of them. I don't know. I just I I can't say anything bad about Mass Effect, so I'll back off from that very slowly. <laughs> um, 
but there's 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 just so much into this game and you, you know I, I i normally i'm all like oh the shorter the game the better this really does feel like a, uh less like a task for you to do and more like this you know living organic place that you can kind of like dip back into and live that life you know for a couple of uh for a couple of minutes or so you know and then you know dip back oh, out of it that's cool yeah do they plan doing a lot of um, downloadable content? Are they? I really hope that they follow the Fallout Three or the Fallout New Vegas model, as opposed to the uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion model. You don't need um, some horse armor. <laughs> Not even that. Um, uh, you know, Oblivion famously had the uh, the the, the um, Shivering Isles, which was one of the best bits of downloadable content slash expansion pack. Uh, kind of content that I've seen for you know pretty much ever. It was an astounding piece of piece of uh, piece of content, um, but there was only like one of them, and everything else was kind of like little kind of perk packs where you bought different dwellings and things like that, or like small missions. I know there was the Knights of the Nine, but I didn't really play that that much. Um, and, and whereas kind of the fallout model is okay here's these places that you can go with their own fully fleshed out storylines i appreciate that more than i appreciate um the way that they handled it and if they put out five of them over the course of the next year you know if only just for them to put out the game of the year edition um in, in a short amount of time i hope that they do they've been successful with that model in the past so i don't see them not doing it so that is uh that, that is at least something to get my hopes up so now I'm going to have to decide between this and um, Modern Warfare 2. Or 3? Or 3, whatever. <laughs> no, ah. just pick up Modern Warfare 2. It's a great <laughs> <laughs> Cheap, too. <laughs> See, I, I got to the level cap and, and um, unlocked like mo- most of the achievements in it. And I, you know, they never released any new maps. Um, that For were- which one? Uh, Modern Warfare 2. Prestige, dude. <laughs> See, I I never saw any appeal to that. You can if it, I, if if you know you don't get any new weapons. I don't know. No, you just get prestige. Um. So yeah, let's uh, let's wrap this up because I'm getting very sleepy. Yeah, because I visited I, I visited a hypnotist apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That was episode number 135 of Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, a podcast about video games. What can you do? What can you do? Well, you can drop whatever you're doing right now, uh, be it driving or working out, uh, and go to a computer or go to your smartphone and visit duckfeed.tv, which um, by this time will be uh, completely redesigned. We're rehosting it using some different magic behind the scenes, and hopefully it's a, it's a lot sexier for you. Um, so yeah, that is a, a place for you to go check us out. It's a very good uh, a resource for how to get a hold of us. We have a we have a blog up there that I hope to maintain. There's a the contact link as always. We're also uh, going to be picking up the mailing list as soon as I get enough subscribers, and all of that's available up there. And of course, there's the donate page. I'm not shaking you down. It is not something you should feel necessary to do, but uh, this is something that costs money. And if you are feeling like a generous soul and want to throw five bucks our way, that does help defray the cost of getting you these uh, free programs. Don't worry. Show's not going anywhere. None of the shows are going anywhere. Uh, but that is an option that's available to you at duckfeed.tv slash donate. In addition to all that, uh, the best real way to support us is to go onto iTunes. Even if you're not of the iTunes persuasion, you can download it, make an account, and <laughs> rate us. Um, that does help 
get new eyes and new ears onto the programming, um, uh, which is, you know, a great way to build the user base. You know, all, all of this is word of mouth kind of things. So leave us a rating or a review. It is, uh, like I said, the most effective way to, uh, to help us besides just telling your friends, if you know somebody who likes video games, likes current releases, likes news, and really, you know, likes brilliant comments about the way things actually are, um, then that's the best way. So just let them know about us, give them the, the link, give them, uh, give them a description of the show and uh we will be forever in your debt uh, i can be literally because <laughs> we're not paying you back sorry <laughs> right yeah. so, <laughs> we're giving you all this content every week don't worry um so uh you can follow me on twitter i'm uh cole ross at cole ross that's k-o-l-e dummy um i know that you dennis are at d furia Mm-hmm. Um, Ben is at Merkelizer. We haven't said that for a while, and I think it's been about a year since you last tooted. Um, did you Did you see my toot? No, I didn't see your toot. Let me look at it. I'll read it on the air for for posterity. Oh man, oh, man. yeah, dude, toot number three. Whew. Whoa! Let's see here. The only thing funnier than seeing the Cincinnati Segway Tour is seeing someone fall off their Segway <laughs> on the Cincinnati Segway <laughs> Tour. Bravo, my friend. Bravo. <laughs> that is a tweet if I ever heard. <laughs> Your first toot, Ben, was, that was my... August 25th of oh, yeah, 2010. Yeah. Your second toot was on the 10th of February of this year. And your most recent toot was on 7th of November of this year. Quality so, uh... over quantity, dude. I'm fighting the system from within the system. <laughs> Just buck that system, man. Buck that system. <laughs> so, yeah, you can follow his. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's like Christmas. Really, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. When, when, when he toots. Um, and, David, you'll have a... To look a lot like okay uh so so we'll, we'll, uh, david you'll have your twitter up here pretty soon and we'll add that to the website all of which can be found at duckfeed.tv and we thank you so much for listening for dtr i'm your host cole i'm dennis david and ben and uh just check it out man check it out 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 Whoa, check it out. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad that you picked that up.